0: Vendors are a good resource uh, because we're able to be the expert in the field as opposed to if it's a hospital, they're gonna have to hire a lot of different experts. And when they do try to hire that expert, uh, it's gonna cost them even more. So, so many hospitals are struggling with staffing now. That's why they're turning to vendors because they can point at us and say, that's your problem now. So (laughs) it's, it's not our problem anymore.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk Solutions, Candid Conversations with Healthcare Leaders. I'm Becca Leaf, Director of Business Development here at HHS.
2: And I'm Amy Fritzer, also Director of Business Development for HHS. And today we're going to be discussing support services and a lot of the misconceptions around support services within a healthcare facility, their functions, the importance, and also what benefits they do bring to a hospital.
1: Today, we are joined by Ray Delk, who is the EVP for the Western Division here at HHS currently, but he's actually a former COO of an independent hospital in the Southeast. Let's get started. Well, thanks for joining us, Ray. My
2: pleasure. It's great to be here. So your background is so interesting, Ray, because you've been on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. So you've been in the executive you know, leadership team for a hospital. And then you've been on our side, of course, where you've been reporting to a hospital administrator in terms of being responsible for overseeing the, the outsource program within that facility. You've got a very interesting perspective and we'd love to learn, like, how did you go from the administrative side in the healthcare realm to what you currently do?
0: Well, uh, Quite honestly, my, my previous employer made it pretty easy for me. Uh, and that was uh, my, I was part of a small uh, independent health system in, in East Texas. And our system looked for a partner for probably a couple of years, trying to uh, find someone to join up with. Uh, because quite honestly, small independent systems or even independent hospitals really are going to be a thing of the past and i I would say within the next 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. years there's going to be maybe 20 maybe a little more uh large health systems across the u.s and everybody's going to be part of those those 20 to 25 health systems and just like everyone else we were looking for a partner and and what's odd is i was actually the only c-suite uh, executive that was involved with all the due diligence with all the site visits going to all the different potential partners and uh, i did every tour I did all the meetings i did everything and so once we found a partner uh, the day before uh, they started uh, they they in essence let the c-suite go uh, they wanted to bring in their own team which is which is fairly typical you know we were we were prepared for that so uh, anyway uh, within 24 hours I had a call from Scott Alexander with HHS because HHS was my uh, EVS vendor and Scott mm-hmm. said you know uh, and, and we had been working pretty closely together on some other issues uh, just going through some of that due diligence and some other issues we had. so I knew Scott pretty well and Scott said you know we would love to have you as part of our team you, you kind of bring a different perspective uh, you bring the other side of the table just like what the question was
1: exactly
0: uh, you, you kind of know what hospitals or systems are looking for what what drives them what what uh what are they truly looking for and then what can what can hhs do a little bit different that will help us uh in- increase our business so that's pretty much uh how how i got into the to the, uh, the other side. Some some people in the hospital call it the dark side. Uh,
2: <laughs> I don't necessarily call
0: it the dark side, but it's definitely another, uh, the other side for sure.
1: Well, so I want to back up for a second because I we want to talk about support services. But before we jump into that, because I want to get your opinion, especially as an administrator, a previous administrator, Let's define what support services are, because you know there are common misconceptions around it. I, anyone who's listening, to this I want them to completely understand what we mean when we talk about support services. So, within a healthcare setting, um, both you know, clinical and non-clinical support services. How would you define those, Ray?
0: How we defined it, and I was I was in a not-for-profit organization, so and they're and they're slightly different than for-profits, but. Uh, I, I can tell you from my perspective, support services, in in a general sense, is anything that uh, supports patient care, but does not necessarily touch the patient or have direct interaction. Uh, you know, whether it's administering something, whether it's doing an X ray, etc. That's what your true support services are. So you're talking about your EVS, your food service, uh, transport. Uh, Biomedical engineering, facilities management, uh, plan ops. Those are your true support services. And then, as you said, Becca, uh, the other side of that support services, most people uh, call them ancillary services. And -hmm. the ancillary services actually do a type of patient care, even though they may not directly touch the patient. Examples would be your your lab uh, radiology respiratory, pharmacy, you know, they, they do have some light touch of the patient, you know, maybe administering a med or maybe doing a blood draw, but they're not necessarily caring directly for the patient. They're, they're doing tests. Sense.
1: Right. And therefore they don't require a medical license or certification of any sort. Some,
0: yeah, some, some do, some don't. It okay. just depends on what, what they're actually doing.
1: Okay. I would imagine you can't touch a patient if you don't have a license of Correct. some sort. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and true support services, that's that's a great point, is most most of those have uh, no certification in terms of patient care. So right. there there are some certifications that are out there for, you know, biomedical, for EVS, for food service. You know, a, a dietitian would be a good example. Exactly. They don't necessarily They don't necessarily care for the patient, but they are in patient care. So, you know, a licensed dietitian does have to have that ability to uh, speak on that nutritional value. So that's that's really the big differences.
2: And then so when it comes to support services and like we were just talking about, you've been on both sides. I mean, what do you think the most important thing is, you know, in the executive leadership team? What's the most important thing to them when it comes to support services? What is the deciding factor for them? On the best programs to, you know, install in their facilities.
0: Well, and I, and I can tell you, I, I think there is a slight difference between a for-profit organization and a mm-hmm. not-for-profit
2: organization, mm-hmm.
0: uh, and and those those differences are are minor because really the 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 important pieces or aspects are important for both sides. However, uh, first and foremost, it's going to be cost. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be told that patient care and, and I don't doubt this, but we we will be told that patient care is is first and foremost, the most important. And I don't doubt that. Uh, right. That's usually pretty true. But I would say that would be one A and then one B would be how can I cut costs to do this? Right. And so but I mean, because healthcare, care, um, you ladies know that healthcare. Reimbursement is what drives everything, and reimbursement mm-hmm. every year is being cut by every insurance company, and mm-hmm. self-pay is going up and up and up, despite Obamacare and some of those other plans that were designed to help the uninsured. So mm-hmm. for for any that's a organization, whole other
2: topic altogether. By the way, <laughs> absolutely, and I'm
0: I'm not going to be your I'm not going to be your person there. I'm a little bit too opinionated <laughs> on it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll I, I can tell you. First and foremost, they're going to say patient care. Secondly, or actually 1B is going to be the cost of, of those services. And when you so look wait, at... So,
2: Ray, Ray sorry sure. to interrupt. So, what are the, when you say the cost of the service line, what what do you mean by that? Like, what are the costs associated with it?
0: Well, the costs that are associated for, and we'll just stick with EVS, the costs associated are salaries, uh, mm-hmm. employee productive wages, employee wages. Secondly, it's going to be your management wages. Third is going to be your TIB, your taxes, mm-hmm. insurance, and benefits. And the, the benefits piece, in particular for the not-for-profit side, is where they are spending so much more money than many of your for-profits, and, and even in, in a lot of cases, even with your vendors. Just because their, their benefits historically have been very rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can, I can tell you that uh, when I left my former employer, I had over seven hundred hours of sick time built up, and if you stayed with the organization so many years, when you retired, certain levels or percentages of that would be paid out. So it'd be almost like a bonus when you retire. Wow, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, Yeah,
0: you know. So, and then the other the the other piece is going to be your four hundred one k type matches. We actually spoke to a a large uh, for profit. Uh, organization just a couple of weeks ago, Ward, uh, Wilson and I, and they actually do a nine percent match on four hundred one k. That that's, that's unheard amazing.
2: of.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, wow. y- you might see a six here and there, a six percent match, but so when you start putting all these benefits together, uh, most of them do like a PTO buyback. So mm-hmm. if you save up your PTO, you can do a buyback twice a year. So there's all these little benefits that are in there that that not-for-profits typically have built in just b- because it's it's just something that helps them retain and they're, they're quite honestly, they're scared to take those benefits away because yeah. of what the results may be.
2: And do you think a lot of that may have to do with the fact that a lot of these non-for-profits, for example are are perhaps the largest employer in their communities and they really, being not for profit, they give back a lot of charity care and, and do a lot of work within the community. So they they just they don't want to lose that perception at all or have that tainted in any way.
0: Absolutely. That that is absolutely true. Uh in, in fact, we've been working with some new customers as of late that are concerned that uh, you know, unions right now are are kind of back in the spotlight, uh trying to unionize various staffs at various in various markets. And so we do, we have spoken to a couple of custom potential customers that did express a concern, Hey, if we did this and our benefits changed dramatically, uh, that, that could, that could lead to something, uh, you know, catastrophic for us in terms of union or worse mm-hmm. yet getting into the media, uh, right. just because, you know, because right now it's, it's, it's become such a, a, a game of, you know, I'm entitled to this, so therefore, if you take it away, uh, I- I'm going to go Somewhere make else. it bad for the hospital. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, and and you know, I'm, I'm I'm neither here nor there with that. It's just it's just a fact. It's just something that uh, we are seeing quite a bit. One thing I want to, a couple of things I want to add. The second most important, besides those two that I already gave, uh, I believe would be the ability to staff so many of our of our partners as well as our non-partners that we're trying to recruit uh, so many of those right now are struggling with staffing mm-hmm. uh, just because the market is so tight uh, mm-hmm. this is a hard job it's a very hard job and, and mm-hmm. you know when you start looking at uh, covid and you look at how hard people are working and you're now hospitals are, are basically uh, i would say 80 percent of my hospitals now have a higher census than before COVID just because now they're trying to catch up. Really? Yes. It's, it's pretty amazing. Just, uh, you know, because all the business went from where they make their money with outpatient surgeries, with GI procedures, et cetera, all that was put on hold for eight to 10 months and now it's all back. So, uh, so many hospitals are struggling with staffing now. That's why they're turning to vendors because they can point at us and say, Hey, that's your that's your problem now. So
2: it's, yeah, it's not exactly. our problem anymore. Exactly. It's now
0: your problem. So and then and then thirdly, uh, and I think this is an important piece. And I know uh, with my former employer, it was very important. Is vendors are a good resource uh, because we have the technology in the background to be able to do whether it's team member training, we're able to be the expert in the field as opposed to if it's a hospital. They're going to have to hire a lot of different experts. So they'd have to have an expert in EVS. They'd have to, you know, and and typically they try to get that through the director. And when they do try to hire that expert, if you will, uh, it's going to cost them even more. So Mm -hmm. for for me, that's that's really the top four. You know, it's it's going to be the 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 cost piece as well as what's best for the patient, patient care. Uh, Secondly, ability to staff, and lastly is just. Being that that uh, expert of knowledge for that hospital,
2: yeah, I mean, i I agree with that. I mean, I think over the years, I mean, I've been in this position for nine years, so I've talked to a lot of administrators and you know, executives all around the country at various regions and whatnot, and they always say, you know, a lot of times when they've needed assistance, it's I just don't have the time. like, I can't focus on this. I've got to work on this, or I've got mm-hmm. you know, and now the last year. Ray, as you were just talking about COVID and the difficulties that came with that, as we all know. Um, I just had a conversation last week, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, and he was a, a, at a hospital up in the Midwest, upper Midwest, and he was like, I've spent more time trying to hire, because like you said, staffing is a big issue, recruiting is a big issue, and trying to find a director that fits within the facility, you know, the culture, knows the background, is an expert and stuff. He's like, I've spent more time on that than I have been able to work on the facilities and the clinical side and the other side that I need to, you know, focus on as well. And so I think a lot of, a lot of the benefit of of having a vendor or partner in that is that, like you were saying, you can they can focus on the patient and the clinical side, and we can focus on the non clinical side.
0: Absolutely. Or and the that, vendor
2: can, whoever it happens to be, right? Correct.
0: That is one hundred percent accurate because you know, I mean, just like our TMR as well as our directors and our managers that are responsible for recruiting right now. And, and, you know, HHS has now developed the, the rapid recruiter team uh, mm-hmm. to assist us in various markets. But, you know, uh, all that is driven straight by, you know, hospitals need to focus on their own clinicians, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's doctors, whether that's nurses, respiratory techs, lab techs, etc.
1: Right.
0: And EBSs or food service are always the lowest on the totem pole. And so, uh, when when you're looking for resources, if if I can, if I'm going to schedule interviews today, and I'm I'm a hospital HR department, and I've got my choice between five nurses and ten EVS techs or food service techs, I'm going with five nurses because that's yeah. what pays the bills. Right. You know, it, it's it's just they don't think about the downstream effect of not having those people. It's with just HCAP
1: scores and correct,
0: mm-hmm. exactly, a- a- absolutely.
1: So you mentioned benefits. I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because something I hear over and over again from administrators too is, you know, when you tell them, okay, when you're going to outsource, so currently, you know, maybe the situation is they're in-house. So they have all of their EVS staff that they're employing themselves. And then they talk about outsourcing their support service line. And all of those staff members are going to come onto our payroll, which means they're going to come onto our benefits. And mm-hmm. I think the reaction is definitely different to your point with the nonprofit versus for profit. But what do you think are the initial shock or sticker reactions when someone says that they're going to move your employees onto our payroll instead? I,
0: I think uh, I think the administrators or or the team that's responsible for making that vendor decision. I think they're well aware of what those changes are going to be and what, and what it's going to involve is how willing are they to go all the way through with that RFP and, and making the change because I think they know up front, yeah, our benefits are too rich mm-hmm. and this costs us too much money to do this. Right. So therefore- this is the right thing for us to do as an organization, and then that's where the difference between the not-for-profit and the for-profit is. The not-for-profit is a lot more hesitant to go through with that step because it is going to impact their people, their team. Uh, whereas typically the for-profit, they they recognize uh, they recognize what what has to happen, and they're being driven by typically by a corporate office saying. We get it. Too bad. Make it happen. Right. And so I, I, I think that's where the difference is. But yeah, uh, I, I think they know that on the front end, and you know, we we typically do see a little bit of pushback after we are there because when the team members start utilizing the benefits, and, and they're different. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're worse or better, but they're right. different. They're in, different. In how they Change. operate are different. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's where they will go back to the, the local administrators and say, "Hey, uh, our, our benefits aren't as good." Well, that's not necessarily the truth. It's they're different, and right. how they how they have to uh, apply or utilize them is different. So, and to me, that's the key uh, in the communication on the front end through during the sales is letting mm-hmm. them know, "Hey, you're going to have some differences right out of the blocks." And, and here's what we do, here's how it operates and help them understand so that, because those team members are used to going to the VPO or the COO or whomever the direct report is and just, you know, whatever the complaint is, going to them and complain. Mm-hmm. And so I think as long as we're doing that on the front end, it's it's not as big of an issue. So that, that's kind of where I, I think it falls.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I, that makes sense.
2: So just, to clear uh, kind of make a clear distinction, I guess. What is the difference, Ray, of an outsource versus an in-source support service? In in-house. In-house. Or, in, or, yeah. <laughs> yes, in-house. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I meant. <laughs> is it Monday morning? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Almost. Uh, there's actually <laughs> two different programs that HHS operates as a as an outsource program. There's there's two different roads that you can travel. One is what we call a package deal. That's where the management team, everyone, the team members, etc., are all part of HHS's payroll. Uh, that's called the package program. Then you also have the management only program, where HHS will assume only those managers. So if you have a hospital or organization that is struggling with giving up those benefits for their friends and team members, you know their their colleagues. Uh, we can provide that management only option. And and what the advantage for the hospital is, okay, your team members aren't changing. They're not going to change your benefits. So nothing's going to be taken away in in their perception. But at the same time, they're going to get the full HHS program in terms of Mm -hmm. the managers are going to have our training. The team members are still going to have our monthly training. All those Mm -hmm. things are still the same as with a package, except that the only people that are going to be on the HHS pro roll are the managers. So it will cost the hospital a little bit less uh, or will cost them less than if it was a full package. And, uh, you know, because we obviously have to uh, pay for all those costs whenever we take take that program. So uh, and then the in-house program is basically the, the hospital is responsible for all those services themselves. So that's kind of the, in, in general, the basic difference.
1: So, with management only, are they still? Is the hospital still on the hook for staffing? Yes. So that's the, the downside. It's still, I guess.
0: it's still it is it it's still run through their uh, th- through their own HR and mm-hmm. and one thing that we've that I see I'm not going to say we but one thing that I see is those that do the management only and uh, some of the large uh, for profit it allows them. Uh, it it allows them to feel like they're still in control of staffing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you start looking at flex staffing. You know, if the census goes up, we need more Mm -hmm. staff. If the census goes down, we need less staff. So typically when you have the management only, in, in many cases, you have the administrator calling the director saying, Hey, our census is down, so send three people home. Whereas they don't feel that they have that luxury when it's a right. full package deal.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, even though they do.
0: And, and a lot of our company, a lot of our partners now have a flex census type package
2: mm-hmm. uh, where
0: we do that. And our directors are, are are instructed on how to do that. However, it still allows those uh, customers to feel like they have con- control of that as opposed mm-hmm. to. They feel they lose that control when it goes to a full package, and we have the team members. So, e- even though we we do whatever uh, typically whatever they ask us to do, it still it still leaves that control in their hands.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've talked about, I mean, you've you've hit on like the big hitters of what administrators care about and then what that would look like in-house versus um, outsource. I keep wanting to say outhouse because I said that last <laughs>
2: time. <laughs> it's terrible. I do um, that all the time too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we all
1: <laughs> But what do you think, you know, if you had to guess, especially from the experience you had and the colleagues you have from being an administrator, is the number one hesitancy to outsourcing? If you had to pick one of those things.
0: To me, the, the number one hesitancy is. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I, I thought this as an administrator myself. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: How can I pay a company to hire all the employees and do it cheaper than I can do myself? Because the company has to be making money. Right. Bottom line. Right. So then at that point, when we share, OK, you're, you're saving from this on in, in terms of the team members. Uh, uh, the benefits, not the team members, but the benefits, and and just some of those rich benefits that go away. Well, then that flips the switch over to well, I don't want my team members to lose benefits. Mm-hmm. So to to me, the number one is how do I pay another company, uh, which you know they have to make a profit. How do I pay another company to do the same exact thing with the same number of people, but it's going to cost me less. So to me, to me, that's, that's the biggie. So how do you combat that? Well, I, it it just, it it goes straight back to, okay, is, is the value that I, that I'm bringing myself in keeping uh, those departments in-house, is that benefit of keeping them in-house, does that offset the benefits of outsourcing? And And what would be those benefits? The the benefit 100% is cost.
2: Mm-hmm. Because it, it,
0: and quite honestly, when you start looking at a lot of the costs, it's you know when you, when you've done P; l on the hospital side, uh, you know, when you outsource that, all you're seeing is the check going out to the vendor every month. So all right. you see is a lump sum. You never see, okay, if they were still in-house, the only cost you're seeing is, is your supply cost and your labor cost. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing those benefit costs now. Every yeah. hospital in their P and L, they have a they have a percentage that's allocated for benefits. However, most hospitals or many hospitals are are self insured, so it's through a through a third party administrator, a TPA. And so, whenever you have it, a a catastrophic claim, that's when you start seeing the black or actually the red numbers hit your P and L. And so if someone has some sort of catastrophic, you know, car wreck, what disease state, that's where you start seeing those benefit numbers go up even higher. Right. But you're not going to you're not going to see an immediate reduction of your 401k. You know, that's just something that happens above the PL. Uh, so, OK, for the administrator, that that's kind of the piece that's hard for administrators to see because it's not a they don't see it as a. Uh, like you do your home checkbook where you're you're writing a check to the utility company or to the cable company or to the car company you don't you don't see those checks going out yeah it
2: goes in different buckets Correct. versus just that one particular department for example yeah that makes sense Yes, and there's so many
0: so many buckets above the PL for a department mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's one big uh, benefits bucket that all that kind of stuff goes into and quite honestly, they don't want to go through if they've got 500 employees or 800 employees or 2,000 employees. They don't want to go through and try to separate that out by employee, by department,
1: Right. quite right. honestly. Plus, there's the, the whole idea of instant gratification when it comes to the cost reduction, too. Like if you want cost reduction, you want to see it reflected on your next bill. But it could be yeah. a matter of, hey, your quality of care is going way up and your age cap scores are going way up now. And so now you're going to get more money. For your Correct, your and, and that's anyway.
0: what we, and, and that's why we have such a push on the ops side for for EVS in particular with H caps and turn times because that's the things that we can go back to them and point to. Okay, your, your turn times are 55 minutes. So uh, in your large, uh, busy organizations, you know, for every minute someone sits in the ER uh, being a hold, uh, mm-hmm. that's money out of their pocket. So exactly. mm-hmm. that that's. That's the benefits that we can put immediately back on their bottom line. And, and H right. caps, quite honestly, when you when you drive or you dig into H caps and and if you're H caps for for EVS or low at an organization, if you really dig into it, the, the the percentage amount of reimbursement that that affects is is pretty minuscule. Now, when you put oh, them all together, mm-hmm. it's fairly significant. So it could equal one to two to three percent. So when you have a large organization and they and, and all that's your Medicare funding, Medicare is typically the biggest driver. And so, mm-hmm. whenever you get into those that Medicare reimbursement, and let's say sixty percent of your your business is Medicare, uh, mm-hmm. that that minuscule percentage will make a difference in how much they collect annually. So that that's why it becomes such a big deal.
1: When you say put them all together, are you talking about multiple facilities within one system?
0: No, when I'm. Putting all the various components because you also have your surgical site infections. You also have hospital acquired infections. Oh, and the
2: A, you're talking about the HCAP survey? Correct. Got it. Got it. Yeah, got I got it. you. Okay.
0: Yeah, that makes all sense. All the different pieces of it's called value based purchasing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: VBP. So your VB, VBP is what really drives that reimbursement.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So and that's I, why
0: HCAPs are so important.
2: Right. And I would think, kind of echoing on the cost thing, Ray, would be like you were talking about. All these different buckets, right? And a lot of times, the hospitals don't realize, the facilities don't realize what they're spending for that particular service line or that particular department. And I would think another benefit would be kind of that financial stewardish stewardship piece, mm-hmm. <laughs> where you know, if you compare the cost of, like, the department, let's say EBS, whatever support service it would be, you know, capturing the labor the TIBS, the, you know, the chemical costs, the equipment, all that, and putting it into one that the hospital can see, Oh my goodness. Like we've actually spending more than that. So you're right. Like we would have that transparency for the, for the, for the hospital and they could actually see what their true spend is. Correct.
0: And and I can tell you in my years at my former employer, I did four different consulting groups that came in because Mm -hmm. my, my EVS was HHS, my food service mm-hmm. was a different vendor, and then Biomed and Plan Ops Management Only were a third vendor. Mm-hmm. And so I did four different iterations on what, what the true cost should be mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of what we're paying for that. And if you pay for it in-house versus what you're paying to do that, because right. HHS does not do this from anything that I've ever seen, uh, whether on... The hospital side, or whether in the HHS side, but uh, two of those vendors, or those other two vendors, uh, we we found over a million dollars. Wow, of opportunity if we were in-house versus what we were paying a vendor to do that. Really, so more and more organizations are bringing in those consultants: Price Coopers, a big Huron, yeah. FTI. You know, so you see all these big names that come in and do that. Uh, And like I said, I I never had an issue with HHS when I was on the hospital side. Uh, But I did. Here's a quick story that that'll kind of make you understand. Looking at the biomedical side, uh, Mm -hmm. they also I was fortunate enough. I had someone that was trained in MRI, CT. So I did not have to call uh, the uh, the company that built the the the, uh, MRI or the CT. I had my own guy that could fix that. Um, Right. And I mean, most places don't have that. And so my downtime was minuscule. But uh, in looking at that uh, and I'd still had about 22 pieces that were on the uh, the company that made the equipment that we still outsourced to them because the the rad director, the radiology director really wanted to use the company because she didn't trust. The vendor,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so when they found out that we had brought in uh, a company to look at the cost, because we even included them in those costs, mm-hmm. uh, the the company actually called me. This wasn't the vendor. This was the company. The company called me and said, "You're such a good import, uh, uh, a, a good partner. What we're going to do is oh effective immediately, we're going to we're going to uh, reduce your contract spend for those twenty two pieces of equipment by six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year." Wow. Oh, just my. because just because I'm a good guy, you know, it, it was that make mind. you
1: feel like it's all seedy. That's all. I well, know.
0: Exactly. And that's what I said. I said, well, I, I appreciate that. But where were you the first three years of the contract? So, uh, you know, at the point they heard that we were looking into it and then I was doing the spreadsheets to uh, look at the cost of taking it to my vendor versus leaving it with the manufacturer. Is yeah. when they started saying, oh, well, you know, we can actually do a little better. So uh, it, it know, is,
2: It's
0: <laughs> you know, and like I said, I have never experienced on either side of the table. I've not experienced that with HHS. Uh, I am I am true blue with HHS. We, <laughs> we do not do that. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of companies out there that you know, the, the whole philosophy is get what you can while you can yeah,
1: get it. When you Yeah. So with the consultant, I, I mean, that's like, that's very interesting. I hadn't really heard of that and I love that idea, but do you feel like when you were negotiating your contracts and getting proposals from all of those four different vendors you had for those services, was that kind of an exercise within itself for you to visually see how much you were spending within that yeah. department?
0: A- absolutely. Uh, and you know, you ladies know as well as I do, most organizations, they back their ears when you start talking about an RFP. Yeah.
1: They will
0: threaten an RFP. Or getting bids in general. Yes, yeah. yes, right.
1: they will threaten it. Yeah, They yeah,
0: will yeah. threaten an RFP, but they don't necessarily want to do yeah. an RFP. Right. It's just because just a that of lot work. reason, It's a yeah. lot of work. It, it yeah. is. And uh, particularly if you do all that work and you're pushing, uh, you know, say we have someone pushing us saying, hey, we're going to RFP and you better lower your costs. And we walk back in and say, this is our cost because we don't have any place to lower it anymore, mm-hmm. um, and so they keep threatening and they they're not so nice about it. And then at the end of the RFP, they find out well, HHS really is the lowest and the best value. So you know they they've wasted. I mean, it's it's a minimum a six month process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if if you do, if you do it correctly,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And there's like so, one dedicated employee running the whole thing, so you're basically correct. paying someone to do it too.
2: Absolutely. So, And Ray, so why do you think that hospitals kind of bulk at, even though, especially if like you've been, whether you've been in-house for a a really long time, or you've been with one sole vendor for an extended period of time, maybe five years, 10 years, however long it is, that long-term relationship. And, you know, especially now with, after, you know, COVID and everything else, we all know the struggles that many hospitals and facilities have gone through. They're all trying to recoup right now. They're trying to get back open. Get back to full scale, like you said earlier. Their census is up in a lot of cases, even higher than it was pre COVID. So they're taking a closer look because every dollar counts, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at every dollar and you're going, man, do you look at the contract and say, you know what, maybe we can cut this or cut this or whatever? But as you also mentioned before, they don't see every cost, they don't see every line item. They just see this is what we pay a month. So it would kind of make sense to especially if you've been long-term one way or the other, let me put it out there and see what other bids I can get or who Mm -hmm. else, you know, whatever the vendors are, where it's two, three, four, five, and kind of go through that process to evaluate, you know, the services, the costs associated with all that. But Mm -hmm. why do you think so many hospitals won't go through that exercise? Do you think just because it's time consuming and cumbersome or is there something else that they're kind of worried about or? I I think
0: part of it is just that comfort and being familiar with who you have, mm. you know, the ends, the outs, you know what you're going to get day in mm-hmm. and day out. You, you kind of know I can expect this and I don't have to worry about that. And so you kind of, of have change. that. Yeah. Fear yeah. of change. Absolutely. And in many cases you, you do have, uh, those vendors that have that relationship with, Mm-hmm. Uh, with the direct report, with the hospital side that, you know, it, it's a great relationship and whether they provide a good service or not, uh, they have that relationship. And and so, I mean, really and truly for HHS and for us, that's why those relationships are important, but it's important mm-hmm. to stay in front of the CEO and the COO as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're not reporting to them already, just because they're the decision makers typically Right. But really and truly, it, it's all about that relationship, and it's all about, I, I know what I'm getting. Do I really want to go through this? I mean, we we picked up a partner, a, a large partner, two years ago that had been with the same vendor for over 20 years. Wow. And it finally just got to the point to where they thought to themselves, there's got to be something better. And mm-hmm. they went with HHS, and they're like, we wish we'd have done this 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So. It it happens, so yeah. that, quite honestly, that's it, and uh, they're not seeing all the costs. So it's it's typically uh, you have someone beating that that vendor's drum uh, and and saying, oh yeah, they're doing a great job, and it's just it's so much work to do something else.
2: Mm-hmm. Quite honestly,
0: now there's a lot of companies that are out there that will run the RFP process for for the hospital.
2: Mm-hmm. So, right, EPOs and such.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're seeing more more and more of that. So
2: yeah. Well,
1: then, of course, there's some some places where the board of directors does require you to do an RFP and you you have Mm -hmm. to in order to outsource. So, you know, in those cases, it obviously makes sense, too. Yeah.
0: Typically, if it's if it's uh, if it's through like a university or school or. Right. uh, uh, It just kind of depends. I mean, that's that's a policy that a hospital can have or or not have. So uh, but typically your university systems, we see that.
1: Right. yeah, And fun it of, makes like, sense. I mean, you wouldn't like, you know, if you get a medical opinion and you're like, well, I'm going to get a second medical opinion before I get this surgery. It's the same process, mm-hmm. you know, makes sense. Completely. Yes. Right. You're so knowledgeable.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so, Ray, we are going to close out. We always try to close these out with something fun and you're our um, first scared. person at this attempt. So we're going to do with you the one or the other segment. Oh, boy. Okay. You ready? You got to remember, you got a conservative but, old man here. So. Okay. <laughs> but you have
1: to answer quickly, too, because that's the yes. one quick, quick thing that quick. comes to mind.
2: Okay. Okay. We ready? Ready. Fruits or veggies? Uh, fruits. What a burger or five guys? What a burger. H E B or Kroger?
0: Uh, Kroger. I don't have an HEB.
2: Oh, blasphemy! He's okay. justifying yeah, yeah, it to the I Texan.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly I was like, right. oh my
2: gosh, I couldn't live without my HEB. Okay, <laughs> cookies or cake? Mm, cake. Scooby Doo or Tom and Jerry? Uh, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Superman or Batman? I like I like the the dark side of Batman. Batman. Okay. <laughs> 50s music or 80s music? Eighties. Sweet or salty? Yes. (laughs) Sweet and salty. And the final one, long drive or long walk? (laughs)
0: Long drive.
2: (laughs) Once again, the conservative old
0: man with bad knees. I'm going to do a long drive. (laughs) Depends on who who I'm with. If I'm with her, I'd be a. to I was going to
2: say
1: that. There you go. (laughs) A long walk on the beach. Yeah, if she
2: wants you to go on a walk, you're going to go on a walk. True. (laughs) So, well, thanks again, Ray, for joining us. We really appreciated your time and your perspective and, you know, um, everything you brought. So, thank you.
0: My pleasure. Enjoyed it.
2: I
1: think the thing that I loved the most about that conversation with him was that it was super candid and it was talking about both sides of the aisle and understanding from the perspective of one, a support service, but also the administrator that's at a hospital.
2: Oh yeah. And being able to see both sides and knowing, you know, the pros and cons on each side really helps determine what's the best decision to make for the facility, which I thought was really cool. He was very, he was very um, objective about everything, which I liked.
1: Exactly. Well, thanks you guys so much for for joining us for this candid conversation about popular misconceptions of hospital support services. We really hope you guys have enjoyed it.
2: Yes. And thanks again, Ray, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. We hope that you've learned some insight today.
1: Be sure to follow us and tune in for our next episode with another healthcare leader, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more tips in healthcare, follow the HHS blog at www.hhs1.com. Until next time.